Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Jesus, you're the one that we come for. We just exalt you this morning. We thank you for everything that you've done for us. We thank you for the blessings that you pour out on us. We just love you. Holy Spirit, come. Come into every household this morning. Father God, I ask, Lord, that you encamp around that house, every house, all of your children, Father God. Their hearts cry out to you. So Holy Spirit, come. We praise you and we thank you, Father. I just really feel like we're supposed to do this tonight. You can keep just playing just a little bit, curse. I just say tonight, this morning. So if everybody would, just stand up. Stand up off the couch right where you're at. I want you to reach your hand out in the direction of the state capitol that you're in right now. And we just lift you up. We lift up all, all things of God over our, over our capitals, Father. Father, I ask, Lord, that the spirit of evangelism will break out into every capital across this country. Father, we lift up our, our political leaders, Father God. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus that you would be giving them dreams and visions, Father, of you, that they'd be coming, that they'd be coming into more radical knowledge of your word, Father. Father, I pray, Lord, that there'd be godly wisdom that you speak to them in these times, Father. Father, I pray, Lord, that you'd be whispering exactly what needs to take place in these times, and they could be directing our state, Father God. I pray for the hearts of the people of our states. Father, I pray, Lord, that our hearts would be changed, that our hearts would be radically changed for you. Now reach your hand out to Washington, D.C. So, Father God, we lift up President Trump to you right now in the name of Jesus. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus that he would be protected, Father God, that he, whether you like him or not, he's our president. And so, Father, I pray, Lord, that you just rain down your spirit upon that man. Father, give him the wisdom to guide this country. There's a lot of things going on. And Father God, you know exactly every key that needs to take place for everything to fall into place the way you want it, Father. Father, we lift them up. Father, I pray that there'd be evangelists in Washington, D.C. I pray, Lord, that there'd be, that there'd be the gospel being spoken at every level in our government, Father. Be enthroned over this country. We thank you for it in Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen. Thank you, Kirst. Well, thank you, guys. Um, thanks for joining us. We, we, we love you all, and, uh, and I'm excited to be up here. I, I've, I've been uh, chomping at the bit with this uh, message, and, and, um, and Kirst, for those of you who don't know, uh, Kirstie's my, my wife, and so she's been, she's been having to put up with me. She's amazing, and um, she, uh, she's been taking on a lot this week just because I feel like there's been adversity coming in the Spirit trying to stop this message. I feel like it's been, um, there's just been blocks, roadblocks trying to stop this, and uh, so she's been picking up a lot, so I thank you, Kirstie. I love you. Um, I thank our pastors for uh, allowing me to be up here. Um, I was talking to Pastor Darren, and I, and I just want to say this. Like, if you've never heard Pastor Darren teach, like I told him this, this week, um, he's the greatest teacher that I've ever listened to in my 16, 17 years of, 
of following God radically, and, um, or at least uh, can't say radically the whole time, um, but solid, you know. And, um, and so I thank you for, for everything that they've imparted to me. And this week was hard because I was trying to figure out how to teach what I'm, what, what I'm bringing to you guys this morning in, in a way that would even start to feel the shoes that, that's walks, that steps up in this pulpit. Like it's, it's half, it's pretty intimidating really, to be honest, to be in this pulpit behind our pastors. So I thank you guys. I honor you guys so much. Um, like I said, I, this, this message has been just rolling on me for a while. Um, it's been boiling up in me. Um, it started taking place uh, a couple, couple years ago, and I was, I was ready for a change um, in my relationship. I, I was crying out to God, and, and I, I don't remember. Um, I think it was August of like 2018 that we went to a, a conference, and I was just so ready to hear from God. And I got so mad at him because I didn't get a word. Like 200 and some people got words, but I didn't get a word that night. And I was so ready. And um, through that, like I started diving in a little bit more, a little bit more. And then we hit, uh, in our family, we hit some pretty rough, rough roads there for a little bit. And that was what started it. And we just felt like our family was under attack and, and like we just needed breakthrough. And, and that's what I was even found that I just was wanting, I was wanting breakthrough in my relationship with Jesus back in 2018. And, and, um, how many of you guys are, are going through, uh, going through stuff that you just want breakthrough? I mean, you might say, well, that's a dumb question considering the situation that we're in, but seriously, like how many things, like I'm not talking just COVID, but yeah, COVID-19. Yeah. That we're all on shelter in place and all that stuff. Yeah. We want breakthrough. I want breakthrough. I'm ready for a haircut. I mean, come on now. You know, um, can I get an amen? You know, the Duke's up here. He's, he's, say, he's saying amen with me, you know. Um, but, uh, but no, uh, it could be anything. You know, there's our health issues that you're dealing with, marital, marital issues that you're dealing with, relationships with kids and family that's been separated for, for whatever reasons. I, I've dealt with a lot of that in my life and... and um, over the years, and for whatever reason, sometimes it's the most ridiculous thing that, that pulls people apart. But on the same token, are you ready just for breakthrough in your walk with God? Have you just hit this, this, this place in, with Jesus that just you need to push through? You need to push through that wall. And maybe you're, you're clicking it with Jesus, but you want more. You want the more. You want breakthrough of the more. You want to go through that next level. Turn with me to 2 Chronicles 20. So I'm going to give you a little backstory on this as you guys are getting to that. Uh, it's the story of King Jehoshaphat, and uh, he was a king of Judah. And in verse 19, um, Jehu comes to him and warns him of the wrath. The, he says, the wrath of the Lord is upon you because you... Um, You've put up with evil things. You've lived with evil things and stuff. So King Jehoshaphat, he started, he started uh, changing some stuff. He started appointing godly judges. He started appointing priests. And he, and he starts telling them, hey, you guys need to follow after, after the Lord. You need to be uh, walking in the fear of the Lord and walking faithfully. 
So we're going to start here in 2 Chronicles 20, 1 through 3. It says, And it happened after this that the people of Moab with the people of Ammon and others with them besides the Ammonites came to battle against Jehoshaphat. He, start, he started having a, group, a large amount of people. Like a commentary says it was, it was like one of the biggest adversaries like, that he was going to be facing in, in his life, in his, in his kingship. And it says, Then some came and told Jehoshaphat, A great multitude is coming against you from behind the sea, from Syria, and they are in Hazazon, Tamar, which is in Gidi. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout Judea. As we start going through this, there's three keys that Jehoshaphat did. And the first one's right there in verse 3. He says, He set himself to seek the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. We're going to go on here to verse 4. He says, So Judah gathered together to ask him from the Lord, or ask help from the Lord, and from all the cities of Judah. They came to seek the Lord. Then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, O Lord God, our fathers, are you not God in heaven? And do you not rule over all the kingdoms of, of the nations? And in your hand, is there not power and might so that no one is able to withstand you? Are you not our God who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people, Israel, and gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend forever? And, then, and they dwell in it and have built you a sanctuary in it for your name, saying, if disaster comes upon you, sword, judgment, pestilence, or famine... We will stand before this temple and in your presence and cry out to you in, in our affliction, and you will hear and save. And now here are the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, whom you would not let Israel invade them. They came out of the land of Egypt, but they turned from them and did not destroy them. Here they are rewarding us by coming to, to us out of your to throw us out of your possession, which you gave us the inheritance. O oh, our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us, nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are upon us. They went to, they went to God in prayer is a second key, right? And we, we get that, we, we, especially in these times, like, Sometimes I'm like, man, if I, if I didn't have something bad going on, I wouldn't be praying at all. Have you ever felt that way? Because like, that's the times that you pray is in the times of emergency. And, and before, a couple years ago, that's what I was finding myself doing was exactly that. I was, I was getting busy. I was getting distracted by all these different things. I didn't have time to pray. I'd be too tired to pray, to seek God. In, Je in Jehoshaphat, he, he goes to the Lord in prayer. So there's, there's a second key right there. So we're going to continue on. Sorry, this is a lot of reading, but I've got to make these points. We're, I'm going to, through 14 there, the Lord starts speaking, and he starts saying 
this isn't your battle. And I'm going to, for the sake of time, I'm going to skip through that. He's saying, this isn't your battle. And he's saying he's going to take care of this. So then we're going to start here in verse 18. It says, And Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem bowed before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. Then the Levites of the children of Kohathites and of the children of the Kohathites stood up to praise the Lord God of, of Israel with voices loud and high. So they rose early in the morning and went out into the house of went into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, "Hear me, O Judah, you inhabitants of Jerusalem, believe in the Lord your God, and you shall be established. Established. Believe his prophets, and you shall prosper." And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord and who should praise the beauty of holy holiness. And they went out before the army and were saying, Praise the Lord, for his mercy endures forever. Now, when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushes against the people of Ammon, Moab, and the Mount Seir, who had come against Judah, and they were defeated. See, they started praising and worshiping. And I I love that part that that says, uh, back up there in, uh, where is it, 19, that even the children was there. Like all of them stood there and worshiped. First they worshiped, then they rose up and they started praising him. They started praising God for the good things that he is and for who he is and his goodness. See, in my life, we had, I had the prayer like I was just talking about. We had worship. I mean, Kirsty was, was worship leader. She had been on worship for a while. And I had my moments in worship. I enjoyed worship. I liked worship. Um, but it was, was not, not like fruitful, I guess I should say, or I could say. And um, at times it was, obviously, but, but it was like very hit and miss. And... Um, but the one thing that I didn't have was fasting. What is fasting? You know, I started looking at that and because there's those three keys, but I only had two of them. The definition of, of, uh, in the, in a dictionary of fasting, as we all probably know, Abstain from all or some kinds of food or drink, especially as a religious observance. I'm probably going to make a a few people upset here. But fasting, I'm just going to say this because I want to get this out there. Fasting is is not social media. That's a setting apart. And does it help your relationship with God? Uh, by God, yeah, because social media distracts us so much. Is it, is, it, is it exactly what I'm talking about? No, it's not. For me, I was, t- I was trying to explain this, and I was like, for somebody that has seen the, the fruits of tithing in, in their life, for them to tell somebody, well, tithing, you can just serve as, serve as your time, like they would 
you would know when you see the fruits of, of tithing in your life, there, it isn't just serving your time. It isn't saying, okay, if I, if I just take, take some time out. And, and I hear people saying, well, you don't know where I'm at financially. I mean, we're losing jobs. We're losing this. And, and I, I didn't even know I was going here this morning. But I, I, I tell you this, be faithful. Be faithful to God in your finances, and it's going to be taken care of. You know, I was asked, I was asked to work from one of the high-ups that I answered to. And they said, what is, what's your plan A? What's your plan B, plan C? And I said, what you mean? And he says, well, if everything goes south here. He goes, don't you even got a plan D? And I said, man, I said, I only got plan A, and that's, that's follow Jesus. And I said, he told me to throw plan B away, so I threw that away. So I just got to keep going back to plan A. Whatever, whatever he takes me, I trust. But be faithful in, in what he's given you. There's a little rabbit trail I didn't know I was going. So, um, so with that, it's the same way with fasting. Like, I'm going to go into more of this, and, and, uh, but I've, I've seen the fruits of it now. Like, I, I can't, I wouldn't be able to stand up here and say, yeah, we can just get rid of, just get rid of Facebook. It's going to be the same atomic power that fasting is. Like, I, I can't do that. Um, fasting is... It's sometimes described, I was trying to find the right description because, yeah, we got that definition of it. We got the definition, and, and I, mean, I mean, by God, like you go to the hospital or you go to the doctor and you're fixing to have a surgery or something like that, and he says to fast. Uh, you better not wake, come up in that next morning and say, yeah, I fasted Facebook, but I had this big old steak last night about 9 o'clock. You know what I'm saying? Like it's not going to do nothing. Like, um, but... We have, we have those definitions. And I mean, even the hospital, like the doctors, the medical world, they know what fasting is. But what is it in the spiritual realm? Because the definition that I found, even in the dictionary, says especially as a religious observance. So the descriptions that I started finding, you know, it's denying the flesh. One person said it's a setting yourself apart. Lou Engle, he says, it's, it was the breaking of the power of sin in your life. When Jesus fasted, which we're going to go into in a bit, when he fasted, he was breaking the sin off of flesh. Like he was breaking that power to have to, the, to, have to come on you. One person, and this is, this is something that I, I, ne- I hadn't ever heard until this week, and I thought it was so ironic that the timing of everything that's taking place here, because... Pastor Lynette spoke on last, last Sunday about the first love, returning to your first love. The, de- the description that I heard from a man, or that I read from a man this week was, it's a returning to your first love. You see, for me, I was like, yeah, it's denying the flesh. I get, I agree. 100%, I promise you, you're going to be denying the flesh if you fast. If you have fasted, you know exactly what I'm talking about. There are some things that happen in your body that like start screaming. It, it's, it is definitely the denying flesh, but I thought it went deeper. There's a setting yourself apart. There's definitely that. There's the breaking of the power of, of sin in your life. I truly believe in that. There, I got a testimony of that that I'll probably talk about here in a bit. Returning to your first love, the ironic thing about that is it was almost a year ago, last April, 
that God said to re- told me, return to your first love. I said, fill me with your fire, Lord. And he's, he started leading me deeper into this path that he started leading me on. But you see, the best way that I've been able to describe it is that it was, it's a dinner date with Jesus and he's bringing the food. And I think about Psalms 23, about how he says, even in the midst of my enemies, you prepare a table. And that table, you sit across from Jesus, even in the midst of everything going on, everything that you need breakthrough on. He's sitting across this table and you start receiving that heavenly manna from him. Because there's a positioning, it's an alignment. That's the best way that I can describe it as well. Like there's an alignment that happens in the spirit realm. I keep praying. I keep asking God, please, please let me see in the spirit realm when I'm fasting. I, I want to see what happens because I'm, I know that all hell is breaking loose in the spirit realm. I know that hell does not want it to happen because, he, because they all know what's fixing to happen when it does. Because there's an alignment that happens and I see a lightning strike coming down when you're sitting at the dinner table with Jesus and you're, and you're receiving that heavenly manna. Turn with me to Luke 4. We're going to go ahead and, and, and look at this, look at uh, Jesus' fast here. Because he's our model, right? He's the one that we are supposed to be following. Um, he's the one that, that, and some of the things that he did, I'm like, you didn't even have to do that, Jesus. And he's like, yeah, but I was doing it for you to show you this, you know? And, and in this time, he, he goes down to get baptized from John the Baptist, right? He gets baptized in water. That's one of the things that I'm like, why do you need to get baptized, Jesus? But he did it to fulfill, right? Then the Spirit of the, the Lord comes down upon him in, in, the, in the physical as a dove and fills him with the Holy Spirit. He was conceived. He's, he's half God, right? He's half the, he was conceived by the Spirit of God. Why did he need to get filled? But the Spirit of the Lord come and filled him. And let's start here in chap, uh, chapter 4, verse 1. I'm not going to read this whole thing for the sake of time. You guys are probably tired of me reading even. But verse 1, it says, Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit. I, I keep wanting to stress being filled, okay? He's being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the, from the Jordan, and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness being tempted for 40 days by the devil. And in those days, he ate nothing. And afterward, when they had ended, he was hungry. You guys can go ahead and read the rest of that if you want on your own time. But when I was looking, I, I got to give, give credit where credit's due. Because when I was looking for a description, I, I knew that uh, Pastor Tim Stewart had, had fasted and we had discussed some of it before. So I reached out to him. I said, hey, man, you got a, you got a description of it. And he's like, man, I'm with you. Because I even told him what I told another man. That trying to describe fasting is like trying to describe what being a father is, being a dad is to somebody that don't have kids. It, it's just, you can describe it, but until they experience it, you know? And, and that's what I was telling Tim. I was like, man, I said, I, I want the perfect description, you know? And we were just kind of talking about stuff and everything. And he, he told me, he said, he mentioned this part. And I was already going to go to Luke, Luke 4 here anyways and, and discuss Jesus because he is the model. So do we, should we be fa- fasting? Well, if Jesus did, why do we think that we, not, we don't have to, you know? 
But here in verse 14, skip to verse 14. It says, Then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. He says he returned. So in verse 1, he said he was filled. But in verse 14, he went into a position of in the Spirit of the Lord. He come out of being in the Spirit. He says, just as I am in the Father, the Father in me, I am in you and you in me. See, there's a positioning that happens. And see, and then that's when Jesus' ministry started. There's a positioning of the heart that happens that when you start, when you go into that fast or when you come out of it, a lot of times, here's the thing about fasting too. I've, I've experienced it both ways. I, I didn't get nothing sometimes during a fast, but it was after the fast that you feel the breakthrough on. Sometimes you don't hear anything. You don't hear the voice of the Lord on nothing. But then sometimes you do. I felt that I've had it happen both ways. I got, I'm fixing to share some testimonies with, with it all. So sometimes it is just miserable. It, like, it, I mean, if you read through that and it says he was tempted for 40 days. And then at the end of 40 days is when, when all everything that it talks about. So Satan's constantly there trying to break what's happening, trying to break you from and trying to make you stumble. You see, before, before two years ago, I dabbled with fasting. I mostly fasted during desperate times in times that I didn't know anything else, you know. Fasted one day fast for, for uh, Day of Atonement and stuff like that. One of my big problems in my early days of, of walking with, with Christ is I chewed tobacco. And I'm telling you, like, your body will scream when you try fasting away from tobacco. Like, you probably already know that. But, but that, so I just never really messed with it much, you know what I mean? So, but there was times that I definitely dabbled with it. And, and everything, but it was, and I'm going to bring this up because like it start, it kind of, it pretty much started here. It was after this, but, uh, me and Kirsten, we lost, we lost a baby, uh, in 2018, about a year and a half ago. And when we heard that he didn't have a heartbeat, I went into immediate three day fast because we was have to, she was going to have to deliver him. Um, like basically on the third day. And I was like, I'm fasting until it happens, you know, and we were praying that he would be raised from the dead. And some of you might be thinking, man, that is crazy. That's ridiculous. You're right. It is. We were even looked at from the nurses like idiots and fools. But you know what? I want ridiculous faith because if I was standing on this earth when God made Adam and Eve and he says, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to, I'm going to make man. If I would have just been able to watch it, I would have said, that's ridiculous. And he starts scraping up the dirt. And I'm like, that's ridiculous to make us out of dirt. Like I'm not going to stop God and put him in a box of what he can do. I want ridiculous faith. So in, in a little, little tidbit, I mean, we can just be honest in religion that's stupid, actually. That's a stupid thought. But I'm not into religion. I'm into a relationship with the almighty, powerful God that created heaven and earth. And so that's why I'm okay with having ridiculous faith. So we, we're, we're praying that he'd be raised from the dead, and he wasn't. And one of the, why I was wanting to bring this up is because 
you can fast wrong. There's, there's wrong ways to fast. And I fasted to get the strong, like to, start, to try strong arm in God at that moment. I was fasting and praying and begging as a beggar, not as a son. And so, and that's, that was my main purpose to tell him that I like, because after that is when God started, started speaking to us. He started, he started dropping things in me about fasting. And, I, and so me and Kirsty, we started seeking him. We started seeking, uh, learning about fasting. Kirsty went on the first fast, uh, of, of the first Daniel fast uh, that we've done now. And, and cause we was reading Jensen Franklin book. And, uh, so she started that, uh, January of 2018. And, and I, I was still, I was starting to do like a little bit more water fast. I was trying to do, you know, one to three day water fast every, like, I don't know, once or twice a month, you know? And, and so we, we were starting. And like I said, it was about April last year that it really started going a little bit more and a little bit more because he said, return to your first love. And I started realizing what fasting was starting to do in my life. And, and then it all changed. I shouldn't say all changed, but it intensified in July. And, and actually where we're going as a church is this is about the time frame that it was laid on my heart for this whole thing to start taking place with our church today was, was basically birthed in about July of last year. But I heard Todd White talking and somebody asked him about fasting. He says, yeah, he says, I fast. He said, ever since I talked to David Hogan, if you guys don't know who David Hogan is, he, uh, He's a minister that uh, I think he, he, all his churches uh, mostly are in Mexico, right? Yeah, I think, yeah, I, think I heard at one time that he's, he's like uh, founded like 7,000 churches in Mexico. I mean, he's in like battlefields, like, like dealing with cartel and all that stuff. And, and uh, in his ministry, there has been what I heard was over 400 people raised from the dead in his ministry. And... But anyways, back to the Todd story. He says, Todd White says, David, do you fast? He says, yeah, Todd. He says, I fast. He says, I just got to tell you, he says, when I, when I fast, the dead rise. When I don't fast, the dead don't rise no more. And it hit me so hard. And I was like, I'm so worried about one meal or two meals or three meals. And, I, and God is wanting so much more. And at this, at this time, he was really like driving me into like, try, like trying to go out on, I'm, if you didn't know me before, I'm complete, uh, almost 100% different now because I was very quiet and like you wouldn't find me out on the streets trying to minister the gospel. Now I, I try striving to go to, and go to Walmart, King Supers, wherever and minister in the gospel. So, so I'm like, when, when he fasts, the dead rise. When he don't fast, the dead don't rise no more. And, I, and I'm like, there's so much more to that. It goes so much deeper. So, so I started trying to fast. I was making uh, fasting a lifestyle now. I started fasting. I was focused on at least once a day or once, once a week, one day a week, I would fast. I'd try going two days a week. And sometimes I'd go one to three days a week. And I just thought of something too. I want to hit on this too, because a lot of times, because I'm, I'm sitting here talking about me, so I don't want this to be sounding like I'm trying to proclaim something that I am. But a lot of times people like, like think about 
fasting and, and I talk to them and they're like, yeah, it's a secret thing between you and God. I get it. And yes, it is. But on the same token, and they're going off the scripture in Matthew 6, I think it's 16. He says, and he's talking about the making faces, like having a, a sour countenance on your face. Like I can read it to you real quick. I got it. Oh man, where'd it go? But he's talking about, um, he's talking about a heart issue here. He's not talking about, um, about talking about it because King Jehoshaphat, he proclaimed it. He announced it like he wasn't in sin by doing that. It says here in Matthew 6, 16, it says, Moreover, when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites with a sad countenance, for they disconfigure their, their faces that they may appear to men to be fasting. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward, but you, when you fast, anoint your heads and wash your face so that you do not appear to men to be fasting, but to your father who is in the secret place and your father who sees in secret will, will reward you openly. So he's addressing a heart issue. So, so any of you that might've been thinking, well, he's proclaiming fasting like he's trying to... I'm, I'm trying to give testimony here of fasting, okay? So, it, I mean, it talks the same thing in Matthew 6 about, about giving and about prayer. And we got, don't be standing on the street corners praying, trying to be seen. And we got prayer teams up here. Why? Because we want people to be set free. Yeah. Guess what? When I go to go out on the streets to try and minister the gospel, if somebody needs prayer, I'm going to pray. It's not, that, it's not that I'm trying to be seen. It's because I want that person to be set free and come into the revelation and knowledge of Jesus Christ, you know? So it's not being a spectacle. It's, it's called a heart issue that he's addressing there. And so, so with me talking about this, this is, isn't a heart issue. I want you guys to understand the power in, in, of the fasting, this, this third key here, okay? So I start, this, I start this lifestyle, and I'm diving in this lifestyle of fasting. And Kirstie's pregnant again. And, and when we lost Boaz, it was at 23 weeks. So at 23 weeks again... We go to the doctor and, and they say, uh, your, your son, so this would be our third son, but our second son that they start giving us bad news on, um, same week, 23 weeks, is in the less than one percentile. And we're hoping that you can make it to 32 weeks. So instantly, I wanted to dive back into a fast. I wanted to go into that that fast again, but I said, well, hold up. I'm not going to try strong arming God on this. What you want me to do? So I started praying about it and I, I reached out to pastors, Darren and Lynette. I reached out to pastor uh, Trey and, and Heather Johnson. And, and we, me and Kirstie was praying with them. And, and, uh, we reached out to another pastor. I was going, I was doing the online school with LCU. So we've reached out to them to talk to them. So I prayed with some of them. And one of them said, I feel like this is going to be a thing that doesn't come out, but through prayer and fasting, which is a scripture that I'll discuss next week. But, but they said, this thing that you're going through, I feel like it's going to be that. And so it was confirmation because I was feeling like I was supposed to. I just wanted confirmation. So at that moment, I started into a water fast. So on Sunday, they said, if, because the other thing, they said, they told Kirsty, if you're not feeling to move, go to the hospital, get them checked. Well, we're at 23 weeks. She has a, I think I'm going to say this right, where she post anterior or an anterior placenta. 
And yeah, there we go. She gave me a thumbs up. And uh, they say like you can't feel a move that much when you got that. And so here we are coming out of the 23rd week again and she can't feel him moving. So we go to the hospital and I, and I remind you, I, I've started in that fast. This is, when we go to the hospital, I'm on the second, second day of my fast. And we go, he's good, heartbeat's good. They do measurements good. They say, yeah, he is small, but you know, da, 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 da. And uh, send us home. So I'm sitting on the couch. I'm, I'm watching this sermon that's teaching from LCU. Kirsty's sleeping on the couch. She starts, she starts this like kind of a scream. And she says, no, get away from me. Stop. And I said, in the name of Jesus, I said, you're fine. And I started having these things come to me that there's, that we got this demonic thing, this demonic oppression on us. Like, like the spirit started speaking to me at that time. And I said, uh, and she said that there's a guy trying to pull me into this dark hole. And I said, where's the dark hole? And she told me, she goes, it's down in our basement. I feel like some of you guys thinking I'm crazy, but I'm just radical, all right? Because I'm going to tell you something right now. I'm telling you right now that in the name of Jesus, like demonic oppression was broke off of our house that night. God, the spirit of the Lord come upon me. And I was, I walked down those stairs and I started breaking off a demonic uh, pathway to hell off of our, off of our uh, house. There's a, there's a, like a portal right behind the door of hell going, coming up. We had dealt with so much ever since we bought this house. We had dealt with MRSA on, on, our, on our baby girl when she was baby with diapers. Like why? There was no reason for it to even be around. We, Kirsty was diagnosed with uh, uh, melanoma right before, we lost, right before we lost Boaz the week before. It wasn't the reason. Boaz was completely healthy. His umbilical cord got twisted. But there was multiple things that was coming against us. We had, we had some things that happened with Tracen that was like, just blew our minds. There was things that had happened in this house. And it was all because of this one thing, this demonic oppression that was on this house, that was a lockdown on this house. And through prayer and fasting, we broke that off and praise the Lord in the name of Jesus. We have nothing else in our household, right? And so, so after that, and that was also the night, I know I've spoke about this before, but that was also the night I said, only, the, only a portal of heaven can be in this place. And God lights me up like I've never been lit up before. The most electrifying experience I've ever had with God was right there. And uh, so we continue on this journey with this baby, baby Titus. And, and um, they, we had to go to ultrasounds and doctor's appointments twice a week but they could only do measurements every three weeks. So three weeks after that, we go in and get measurements again. He's still small, but he's in the 4.4 percentile. We go three weeks later, which would be that 29 weeks. He's still small. Arms are smaller than arms and legs are still smaller, but body and and head are growing. And he's in the 6.6 percentile. It was in the 29th week that God led me into another fast. Because I, because at that time as well, they kept saying, well, well, we hope you make it to 32 weeks. Well, then three weeks later, they said, well, we, if he keeps going like that, we might make it to 36 weeks, but be planning on 34 weeks. And we kept breaking off word curses, breaking off the things. That we'd leave those things at the, at the doctor's office and we'd be like, we'd just continue speaking truth. We continue speaking the word over, over the pregnancy and stuff. 
But in the, that 29th week, God says, I want you to fast until your boy is, uh, until your boy is born. And he, and he led me on to a Daniel fast. And he said, he also told me, he says, it's time to break the addiction of sugar in your life. And so I started on this Daniel fast because I was proclaiming at least 38 weeks. At least 38 weeks. They said full term was 37, I believe. And and I said, no, I want 38 weeks. We're already planning on doing a C-section at at 39. And I said, I want at least 38 weeks. And so we start we start going through this. And there was times in this Daniel fast that I would that I'd still go on water fast. And I remember this one time I was praying if I should break this water fast. And he starts speaking to me and he says, He will be okay, but there'll be air tubes. And I said, and at the time I didn't know it was him. Air tubes. Oh, I rebuke you. Get behind me. I don't want to hear that about my son. See, God, my my thing is God's like, that's going to be perfect. He's going to be perfect and everything. So at 32 weeks, we go in there. His head is in the 94th percentile. Praise God, right? His arms and legs are in the less than one percentile. They come back and they start talking to us about a skeletal disorder. They start telling us that there's 200 different skeletal disorders. That there, that there are, and, you know, we don't know which one. We're pretty sure it's not any of these because that's more like a, you know, more issues are usually there. And, like, your boy is healthy. Like, your, his heart's healthy. His brain's healthy. Everything, his organs are growing. Everything's good. But it looks like he may have achondroplasia. That's the most common one, and that's the one that all the signs are showing to. Achondroplasia is a, is a skeletal disorder it, for little people. It, it's like, you know, midgets and stuff. Like, that's what it is. And, and so we started praying against that and, and we called, once again, we called pastors and, and we didn't talk about it a lot because we didn't want many people speaking that over. And we just, out of our mouth, the word of God says, out of our mouth, we speak in life and death at blessings and cursings. I wanted all life to be being spoken over my wife. I wanted all life to be spoken over the pregnancy. I wanted blessings spoken over the pregnancy. So just in people talking about it, I didn't want that. So we kept it quiet. We kept it between just the pastors. So we reached out to, to pastors Darren and Lynette and, and Trey and Heather again. And, and they told us uh, to find some scriptures and to start speaking those over them. And so we started prophesying these, uh, these scriptures over them. So at, at 35 and a half weeks, we went in and um, his arms and legs were still small. They were still in the less than one percentile. His body had grown. Um, they're still thinking the achondroplasia. They're, they're 99% sure there's a skeletal disorder and that there is a, but they're pretty sure is uh, achondroplasia. So we're two and a half weeks away from 38 weeks. So we, we just continue praying. We continue prophesying that those arms and legs would grow. We, and I mind you, we're still, I'm still in this Daniel fast, still fasting, still doing, still doing the water and, you know, once or twice a week, you know, the water fast. So we get to that final week and I'm like, I'm going to do a three day water fast going into it. And I hear the voice of the Lord say, I don't want you to do that water fast. I want you to learn how to live in me. And at that time I'm like, okay, I don't know what that means, but I'll follow you, you know? And, um, so we go into, on Wednesday, the 18th of December, we go into the hospital to have the C-section. 38 weeks, exactly. 
We go into the sea. Uh, me, Pastor Lynette was with me, uh, with us, and, and, uh, but she was with me in the operating room. Kirstie was already in. So we go in there, and, and it was the same doctor. We, we had the same doctor that we had with Boaz that looked at me like I was crazy when we was trying to pray that Boaz would be raised from the dead. And so we're in the operating room. Titus comes out. Wham. That's it. So I start working my way around. And it was, a, it was at the moment that I come around the anesthesia uh, rolling machine, whatever, everything's on it. I didn't pay attention to everything on it, monitors, all that stuff. Uh, it was the moment that I come around there that I entered this realm that I never felt before in my life. The best way that I can describe it is the most heavenly realm I've ever walked in. There was no fear. There was no stress. There was no worry. And I start walking up there and I'm hearing this doctor or this nurse say, we're at 30 seconds now. So I get over there and they're bagging our boy. He's got the the deal over his face and he's in the uh, NICU doctor sitting there pumping. His little arms lifeless arms sitting there flopping every time she goes woo woo we're at one minute now they just keep bagging it they try rubbing rubbing on his stomach rubbing on his chest and i'm sitting there they, they keep looking at me they say dad you okay i'm like yeah jesus is good man i was just sitting there worshiping the lord i was just thanking how good he was as i sat and watched lifeless arms still flopping but with no worry no fear At three minutes, and why I know three minutes is because exactly what I was saying, because they kept at 30 second intervals, they kept saying, we're at two minutes now. We're at two minutes, uh, 2.30 now. They were counting off how long he wasn't, he wasn't breathing. So at three minutes, I started, not, not purposefully, I just, I just felt like I was supposed to start praying in tongues because before I was just worshiping Jesus and just worshiping him, but I felt like I was supposed to start in tongues at that moment. So I started praying in tongues and, and I even made note of my, in myself that, man, that was at like three seconds. So at like three seconds, at three minutes, as I started praying in tongues, my boy took his first breath. Because I want to tell you something, when you align yourself... See, I'd been baptized in water. I'd been baptized and filled in the Holy Spirit. But when you align yourself in prayer and fasting, you start seeing heaven come on earth. You start, it opens up. It, it prepares your heart. It clears your heart out. It clears your flesh out to, to start seeing heaven on earth. The fear, the reality of what was last year, what was the year before of us holding our lifeless son with his lifeless arms just sitting there was gone. Why? Because there was an alignment that happened that when I walked in the, in the power of the Holy Spirit, I seen heaven on earth. I couldn't even talk to Kirsty about it. A week later, our pediatrician, she goes to church here, she calls and she, she's upset. She's, she tells Kirstie, she goes, why didn't you tell me about this? She goes, tell you what? She starts reading the report. At one minute, I don't, I don't know what, uh, what's that called? The score? What? APGAR. The APGAR score, they, they score kids when they're first born from a, from a scale from zero to 10. At one minute and at five minutes. At one minute, 
Titus was a one. The only thing that he had was a heartbeat. He didn't have color. He wasn't breathing, nothing. That was the only thing. So we didn't fully lose him at that moment. He only had a heartbeat. And at five minutes, he was a nine. And our pediatrician goes, that's unheard of. She goes, to go from a one to a nine in four minutes is medically impossible. And I said, honestly, let me tell you the story. Because Kirsty called me in and she was crying. She goes, did you hear about this? Why didn't they tell us about this? I said, I watched it. I said, I just didn't know how to tell you about it. I wanted you to enjoy, have enjoyment of the, that we just birthed a, a healthy baby. And I said, let me tell you something. It went from a one to a nine in two minutes because he took his first breath at three minutes. I, I was so tore down, like I bawled because of the goodness of God. I, I, it's, the scripture says men will come into repentance from the goodness of the Lord. Man, I was in repentance. I was like, God, do not ever let me doubt you again. Heal me of any unbelief that I may have. So our pediatrician said that there is no, no medical reasoning of this. I, she said, I want more medical field people to read this because there is no exception besides you got a miracle baby right there and there is God in the room with you that, that morning. Amen. Amen. God is so good. A week later, she calls again. Upset again. She said, you might want to sit down. I think I'm telling the story right. Kirsty calls me in. Kirsty's already in tears. Because they, they pulled, they said the only way that we'd know about a skeletal disorder is we got to pull the blood out of the umbilical cord. That test, we kept calling that, find, trying to find out if that test would come or had come back yet. Two weeks later, pediatrician calls. All tests come back negative. Your boy is 100% healthy. I'm like, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You see, there's multiple ways. There's multiple ways that, that of, or multiple, there's a couple different ways of fasting, multiple reasons why there's fasting. You can look them up. We're going to go into some of them next week. We're going to go into more of the, the fasting next week and, and go into a little more details in each fast. Today, I just wanted to talk about the, <clears throat> I've read a book called the, <clears throat> excuse me, the Atomic Power of Fasting. I just wanted to give you the insight of that. So there's, there's, met, there's many different reasons why people fasted in scripture. And there's reasons why other people fasted that I found, like Smith Wigglesworth. Smith Wigglesworth, I read, you know, I, I've always been a Smith Wigglesworth follower. Like a, I read like his stuff, you know, and, and stuff. He, he was known as, if you don't know who he is, he's, he, like he's, he died back in 1948, I believe it was. He was known as the apostle of faith. Many miracle signs and wonders happened in his, in his uh, ministry. And I've always been drawn to him for those reasons. But over the last couple of years, I've been even more drawn to reading his readings because of how much he loved the presence of the Lord. There, there was a thing between him and God that he would not separate. I've read just a couple of weeks ago uh, that when he would start feeling the power leave him or, or feeling the presence like not as strong in his, on, on him and in his life, he would go into a fast. He would fast until the, until the power of the Lord was upon him like he liked it. 
Lou Engle, here's, a, here's another, uh, another reason why, he, why another man fasted. His, his 14-year-old son, if I remember correctly, this boy was 14 years old. He come to him. Lou Engle's this minister. He ministers about fasting. He ministers all about this, you know, like he evangelizes. He's led a bunch of evangelistic uh, fasts and stuff. And he said his boy come to him and he says, you know what? He says, I don't want nothing to do with you. He said, this whole Jesus thing that you got going on, I don't want nothing to do with that neither. And his boy was basically just separating himself. Lou said that he went into a 30-day fast. He just went into a fast. And on the 30th day, his son come back to him weeping. He says, I repent to you, Father. He says, I'm so sorry for telling you that. See, there was, a, there was an alignment that happened. It wasn't a strong arm of God that made that happen, but there was an alignment that happened that allowed the power of heaven to come down into, into the life of Lou and to change the heart of his son. So see, in my life, as I spoke before, we had three keys that I spoke earlier about, and I had the two, but until this last year, Last two years was when I started diving into it. This last year, though, is when I made it the last lifestyle. Those three keys we're going we're gonna to keep going into. We're going to keep going into them and, and learn, like, we're going somewhere as a church. I'm just going to give you that little insight. So come, come back and, and uh, listen next week with us. Um, yeah, come here. Yeah. Look at my big boy. Can you say hi, big boy? Yep. Yeah, we just uh, we just had a, his four month appointment this week, and and uh, before he was at the eighth percentile in, in his in his height, now he's at his fifteenth percentile. We just keep we just keep praying over him, prophesying. He's completely healthy, but we just continue praying. I'm praying for above average height. But uh, so I just thank you guys for joining us. I hope this, I hope this, I hope this like planted a seed in your heart to start, to start thinking on. And I hope that, uh, that you'll just come with us next week and, and just stay hooked with us because we're fixing to go somewhere. I promise you it's going to change your life. It's going to change your family's life. It's going to change in our church. It's going to change in our, in our community. It's going to change in our state. I believe that this is going to be a, a cultural change. I believe that there's going to be things that shift. I get so wound up about it. I was talking to Josh Smith about it yesterday. I, I get so wound up that there's going to be a shift in our kids that there's going to be headline news, Facebook, uh, front page newspapers of, of kids laying hands on the sick because they, they found this alignment that allows the fullness to start flowing through. I get so wound up, I better not, I'm running out of time here. So, so let's go ahead and go into prayer. So Father, we just come to you in the name of Jesus. And Father, we just lift you up. We exalt you. We thank you, Father, for, for the insight of your word, Father. Father, we want more of you. Father, we seek to sit at the table with you. Father, we just, we just love you. We want more. We want more of your spirit in our life. Father, I pray protection over everybody out there, Father God. Father, I pray that you crush this COVID-19 virus. Father, I pray that there's a miracle that happens 
that, that, that we are able to start coming together as a church, that we could worship together in unity. Father, I pray that there's health, that there's protection over health over all our people, Father. Father, this economy, Father, that you, you know, Father God, that what needs to take place. But Father, what I ask for, I don't ask for some, for some uh, crazy economy that's, that's not a godly economy. Father, I pray that the kingdom of heaven economy would come upon our area here, Father. I pray that the kingdom of heaven economy would come to this country. Father, I ask, Lord, that you just bless us, that you, that you make the way, that you be exalted and glorified through it. Father, I pray that the jobs are protected. Father, that if you shut one door, you're opening another. I heard, I heard one that... A lady in our church goes out in this time when everybody's losing jobs, she goes out and gets her one. And I thank you, Father, for providing that job. Father, you are so good to us. We don't deserve it, but you are so good. We thank you so much for the blood of Jesus that makes us worthy. And so right now, right where you're at in your home, if there is anybody out there that has never said I want, you, I want you, Jesus, in my life. I want you to be Lord of my life. If that's you, I want you to commit yourself to him. If you feel that Holy Spirit, that little twist on the inside of you, that's the Holy Spirit talking to you. He's calling you. Whoop. Just add a little burp up. Don't let that disturb, interrupt your salvation. Nothing like that would. The blood of Jesus is so much greater. And if that was you, reach out to us in a private message. You could you could post it on there if you want to, like if you don't want to be shy, but if you want to reach out to us, reach out to us in a, in a private message. I'd love to pray with you. The other thing that I want to say that just as Jehoshaphat was in chapter 19 that I talked about, that there was a change, there was a turning that happened because he was the king of Judah. But there, he, was, uh, he was living with evil. He was doing this. He was doing that. Whatever things took place and pulled you away from Jesus, if that's you and you want to rededicate your life and make changes in your life, if that's you, I want you to commit your ways to him this morning. Just reach out. It, it's, it's a personal thing. Same thing, though. I want to pray with you, though. Reach out to us, private message, Whatever. Give me, your, give me your number. I'll pray with you over the phone. Me and my wife will for whatever. So, Father God, we just praise you and we thank you. We exalt you for these people. And, Father, we just pray a complete hedge of protection that an army and angels would be around everybody, all listeners, all ears that are hearing this this morning. Father God, that they would be protected in Jesus' name. We just thank you for it. Jesus' holy and precious name. And so, Father, we, or, uh, I just want to thank you guys and... Uh, uh, we just thank you for coming. Thank you for listening. Thank you for putting up with me. Um, and uh, bless you all. We'll see you guys next week.